Hello and welcome back to another Buffy podcast. I am Trevor. And I'm Kristen. And we are going to geek out about Buffy. Today's episode is season three, episode 12, Helpless. Woo-woo! And it is heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah I mean, it ends on an up note. <laughs> I wouldn't, sort of. say, I wouldn't say up note. <laughs> it's, it, ends on, it ends on a good note, at yeah. least. <laughs> well, up, it ends on a note that is up from the, the rest of the episode. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the episode is in the bottom register and then it ends on one high note. Yeah, it's, it's nice. <laughs> um, also, this episode has some cringy angel stuff. But for those who don't remember, <laughs> this is the episode where Buffy is weak out of nowhere. She doesn't know why it's revealed that to us that Giles is the one responsible and then to Buffy that Giles is responsible and she is in the fight of her life. This episode is actually pretty scary. Like it's a yeah, pretty terrifying episode. Like more I so than a lot agree. of episodes because Buffy is a horror show obviously. And that's why my wife had a hard time with a lot of the episodes, too, because there is there, you know, it's scary music and there's jump scares and violence and murder and stuff. But it's never really scared me except for a handful of episodes. And this is one of them. Like Hush, obviously, is terrifying and things like that. But this one, the the weakness, I think, really makes it a lot scarier yeah well i mean it makes it easier to relate to as like a regular human yeah <laughs> being like yeah well that's exactly what would happen to me yeah um i'm trying to think because i i don't get truly scared oh it's the um uh, when i was watching this with will with our friend will not my husband will <laughs> i've got there's too many wills um the one that he was the most scared of was actually in season one the dirk kinderstadt or whatever or is that two it's when Buffy gets the flu. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's in yeah. Season, season two. That's the one that scares him the most. Yeah, and that's it. I don't know. I mean, like, the gentlemen are creepy. Noth- none of it. It's the existential stuff that scares me about Buffy the most. For sure. And I think that's also why this is one of the scariest episodes to me, because it isn't really... Like, the, the vampire is obviously scary, yeah. but that's not the scariest part of this episode. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. It's the, be- the emotional stuff that's the scariest yeah. part of this episode. The trauma, the betrayal. Yeah. Um, something that I thought about, too, in this episode um, was that when Buffy is running, I literally forgot what I was going to say. And then I was <laughs> saying that slowly so that I could remember what it was. And I caught it. Um, oh, <laughs> little little behind the scenes of my brain. Um, when Buffy near the end of the episode, when Buffy is running from the psychotic vampire and she's terrified and she's like punching him and running and screaming, I realized that it feels scarier with her than it does with Willow and Xander because she's she is the the savior. So yeah. like when you're when you're the one who saves people and you can't do it, it's not yeah. like Willow and Xander always have in the back of their head like Buffy will save me, but she doesn't right. have someone to come save her. So it's just like literally running for your life. And it's so much I was just because I was like, what's different between this and all of her friends running for their life? Yeah. And that may I was just thinking about I was like, oh, right. She's used like she's the one that she should be mm-hmm. calling and she can't do it. Well, it's like at no point. Even after there, like, have been deaths, like, at no point am I actually ever worried for Willow and Xander. Right. 
You know what I mean? And so I, I definitely agree with that. And it's also it's one of the reasons why I don't remember the name of the episode, but it's really late season five. There is an episode where Buffy gives up mm-hmm. and that is really scary to me, too, because oh, it's a, yeah. it, there's a moment where Buffy is like, I can't like there's what am I supposed to do? Right. Yeah. No, that's and one of those like, existential terrifying yeah. things for sure. Because she's still she even still has powers in that moment, but she just is like, there's nothing there's nothing more. I can do. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing more. And so the way that this episode is more hopeful than that is that she's like, I still have to do something. And I think that's where it doesn't go too much into the dread because she's like, I have to do something because even if I don't have my powers, it's still my duty. And they they also have Joyce. Right. And so she's like, if I die trying to save my mother, at least I died trying to save my mother. Right. Yeah. It's not for nothing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's also it's just it's so gross. This whole process. It's so bad. It, God, ugh, the it's patriarchy. Such, yeah, I know. I was literally writing something like the the misogynistic <laughs> patriarchy bullshit behind yeah. this because I, if you flipped it, I would understand if. If these girls are called to be the Slayer and you grab them before and you train them and they have to learn this before they become the Slayer because they need to be sure. resourceful, that makes yeah. sense because you're preparing them for something that's dangerous. But yeah. to just be like, you were chosen, but do you deserve it? I'm like, fuck you. She didn't ask for this shit. Like, why does she have to prove herself to you? You fucking thrust yeah. this upon her. <laughs> What's also interesting to me is it's sort of it's like a multi pronged thing. So. I guess we don't know how old Kendra was, Mm. you know, so I'm I'm unclear about that. We also it is implied heavily implied that Faith is older than Buffy. Mm -hmm. So she's like 19 or 20 already, meaning there's there's I guess a couple different ways that it could have gone. The first way is that they didn't test Faith because she wasn't giving them problems Mm -hmm. like Buffy is giving them problems, which is disgusting in its own like right because then the implication is Buffy's giving them problems they want to kill Buffy <laughs> and just go with Faith instead just to get rid of their like problem child and then the other option is Faith has gone through this and so- for some reason didn't tell Buffy about it right because she Which, like, 100% I would I feel like she would I know that they're not like bosom friends or whatever but like I feel like she would have been like good luck when you turn 18 yeah. And she that just doesn't happen. No, I was literally so. thinking in this episode, if they did this to Faith, she would kill them. Like, yeah, oh, 100%. Faith, Faith would not be as forgiving as Buffy. Like Faith yeah. would be like, fuck this. And it, <laughs> and it made me also think of just like this, this throwaway line of like Faith's on her random walkabout. I'm like, all yeah. right, guys. But I also I that made me go look up the absence of Faith. And obviously there's no like solid answer why she wasn't in the first half. But it's the consensus that I was seeing is more so they didn't have plans for her and Mm. so she wasn't written into these things and then people loved her so they she wasn't written into these episodes and they had already done them and then they got the feedback it wasn't as fast as you know in season two or whatever with spike yeah Yeah, and so they were just like and then in the second half they're like okay well we'll bring her back and do a whole story with her and so that's why like she disappears it that's does. the only I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense to me anyway, because I'm just like, yeah. what other reason are you not bringing her in on this? And that's the that for me also is very like 
that's why it's so it feels so choppy when she like it just immediately decides to like do what she does at the end of the season yeah out, like seemingly out of nowhere yeah i yeah i don't know i don't love it i <laughs> i wish they would have thought of that more yeah. because i mean i don't i guess because you've already you already have like the first half of the season done or whatever but i just feel like you're bringing someone on like eliza dishku who like was in movies yeah already like she's in a lot of movies from like the early 90s I don't know. It just feels like you should have a plan for her. Yeah, that's it's so even if they didn't have a plan for her, they still didn't like write her off. Like Kendra yeah. had a reason to leave. Right. But to just be like, oh, Faith's just, you know, out fucking around. Yeah, Which I mean, I, I guess in, in comparison, it, it, though, that, it it's just like her character. It suits but... her character. And like Kendra came back. Kendra was gone and it was like, well, why are you here? This is the fucking hellmouth. And then she came back and it was part of the thing. It just yeah, that was one tight little thing whereas faith is the second half of the season yeah <laughs> so it's i don't know it's a little weird but anyway so buffy's helpless in this episode hence the title yep. um we open with buffy and angel uh fighting each other and mm -hmm. flirting with each other and angel reveals to buffy that he as a 26 year old bodied male was swooning after her as a 15 year old child <laughs> Angel, if I'm not the Slayer, what do I do? What do I have to offer? Why would you like me? I saw you before you became the Slayer. What? I watched you. I saw you called. It was a bright afternoon out in front of your school. You walked down the steps. You. Well, that's later in the episode. It does happen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Later, yeah, yeah. That happens she's in the like, episode. She's like, what if, what, what, what if what I don't I get do my that, powers yeah. back? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he he like makes this really gross. The, the least of it is the gross metaphor he makes about her heart. Because I could see your heart. You held it before you for everyone to see. And I worried that it would be bruised or torn. And more than anything in my life, I wanted to keep it safe. Warm it with my own. Ugh. Yeah, it's bad. Well, what I what I do, <laughs> it's, it's. I so, like forgot that he admitted it to her. It's also interesting because it made me think more about the uh, juxtaposition of Angel and Spike. Yeah. Um, because as we've discussed previously, Spike and Buffy saw each other as equals in combat and Spike mm -hmm. doesn't fall for Buffy like officially until the middle of season five when Buffy is 20 years old like yeah. Spike didn't come in he was just like that is a hot kid you know what I right, mean right. <laughs> <laughs> it also to springboard off of that the thing for me that is I guess the most irritating in, in their differences is that yes Spike and Buffy meet in a in a place of equality and even when she is you know 16 when they meet they she is powered already he is fighting the slayer they are like like work rivals right you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. they are you know both going after that big presentation or whatever yeah and the different and the, the difference there is that once 
Spike gets interested, he is interested in her because she's the Slayer. Like that is a huge part of it. He right. he likes that about her. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to him that she is that. And the issue that I have with Angel is that he likes her despite her being the Slayer. Mm-hmm. Like he has to sort of and, and and if he could, he would get rid of her being the Slayer and he would just have the girl or the woman because then he could protect her, which is what uh, he yeah. feels is the point of him. And it's like, you know, we talk about it a lot in other stuff like Will, Will and I just started watching the season one of True Blood and man, it Bill Compton is like the next evolution of Angel. It's like not amazing. It's Don't get really, me started. It's really bizarre. But then so um, Rachel and I are talking about a lot of stuff, too. Like we're doing um, well, we were doing we are doing Outlander and we did like Mrs. Maisel and stuff. And there's so many points in in so much media and also so many points in history where men are gravitating towards these women who are exceptional and strong willed and smart and funny and like out of out of their time almost. Mm -hmm. And so the men gravitate towards them. And then once they have them and have like acquired these women, they're like, why are you so opinionated and loud <laughs> and funny? And like, this is ridiculous. And it's like, you want the thing until you have the thing. And then once you have the thing, you're like, well, but now you need to become proper right like proper for me and like it's just it spills into this so much too because angel doesn't want buffy mm -mm. he wants a little blonde thing because of darla yep. in the first place <laughs> he wants a little blonde thing that he can protect and loom over it's not he doesn't want a partnership and and this like i can't stress enough how much this fucks up buffy for the rest of the series yeah. Like like because she never fully understands that this wasn't a partnership. And so this is what she thinks partnerships look like. And so she lets a lot of men walk all over her in ways that she shouldn't. Yeah. Her yeah. relationships following this are all toxic. <laughs> yeah. We're all pretty bad. Yeah. And it also it, we also get another Hank situation in this episode and that doesn't help either. Oh, present. Uh, they're not. They're from your father. His uh, quarterly projections are unraveling and he can't afford to take off right now. He promises to make it up to you. It's all right there in the letter. If you want, I could ask somebody to cover for me at the gallery. I mean, if you want me to take you. No. No, that's not necessary. I was just thinking it might be nice to have a, a quiet birthday. Every year, apparently, Hank takes Buffy to the ice capades, even that's, though we've never heard of it before. Yeah, that's the most and, heartbreaking to me, yeah. honestly. And he's he stands her up and Joyce is very nice and is like, I could get someone to watch the gallery. Do you want to you want me to go? And she's like, nope, don't worry about it. And then she asks Giles to take oh, her. Oh, my God. A lot of sophisticated people go. Yes, I think we should start with the Grand and Crystal again. It's usually something that families do together. I look very carefully for the tiny floor at its core. If someone were free, they'd take their daughters or their student or their slayer. Yes, but Buffy, I think we should concentrate now. I look for the floor at its center. The amount that I weep Ugh. in this episode, not only... Horrible. <laughs> 
Oh my god! So not like my dad when I when my parents got divorced, obviously just like canceled all the time. That's just something that a lot of dads do, and so I don't I, get it. I super identified with this um, yeah. when I was a kid because I was just like, I feel you, Buffy. And then when she asks Giles, and he is yeah. so focused on betraying her. Well, ugh. okay, let's let's. And- <laughs> He's not focused. Well, he, is betray- he is betraying. <laughs> he her, is betraying her, but he's so focused on the crystals. He's basically yeah. like, in his defense, he's wrapped up in his head like I shouldn't be doing this, and he's just like right. basically thinking so much about how it horrible it is what he's doing to Buffy, and so he's not listening to her. Yeah. Um, but it's so heartbreaking that she's reaching out to Giles, seeing him as a father figure, and then him mm-hmm. basically not returning the favor um, until the very end of the episode, and. I don't know this. It just breaks my heart. And then her when she finds out about him betraying and going home and shoving the flowers into the trash. This episode wrecks me. (laughs) It's really it's really a lot. It's like, first of all, it's really upsetting in the like in the main sense of the relationship between Buffy and Giles. But then it's also we lose like like two, at least two council men. Yeah. I mean, and we don't like the council. No. But it's also one thing I noticed during this episode. This is a little bit off topic. These men from the council are not nearly worried enough. About. They are like, they're not scared. No. They're like in this abandoned house with this killer vampire who they have specifically chosen because he is ultra strong and also crazy. Like right. bug nuts crazy. And. They're just like walking around the house and just thinking that he is properly tied up. And it's like, could he not have gotten loose a little earlier so that he could have killed Quentin? Right. Because I hate <laughs> Quentin Travers. He's horrible. He's the worst. He, I mean, he's he's like, uh, what's her umbrage? Professor, is it umbrage in Harry Potter? He's not that bad. He's not but, as bad as her, but yeah. you, you, it, it's one of those things where you just like want something bad to happen to it's him. It's a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, something bad does eventually happen it to does. him, and it's actually and it's, pretty satisfying. Yeah, it's very satisfying. Um, the wait only till thing season I ever, seven. <laughs> yeah. The only thing when that happens, the only thing I ever, the only thing I ever got a little bit upset about was that I hoped that the. Um, the woman who wrote her thesis about Spike was OK. <laughs> In season five, when the council comes to um, oh right, 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 to Sunnydale, and she's like meeting him, <laughs> and she's like, "I actually wrote my thesis about you." I wanted, I want her to be fine. Yeah. In my head, she was out to lunch. Yeah, she was getting and, coffee and yeah. on her way into work. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's he's the worst. This whole this whole scenario is just so archaic. Yeah. And also the this the very first time Buffy like gets whipped into no powers is yeah. terrifying. It's very band of brothers when he's like slowly forcing the stake toward her heart. It's yeah. hard to watch. Let me know if I'm not doing this right. At the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Every time Buffy gets hurt or like is near death, I legitimately mm-hmm. like get squeamish because then usually in shows yeah. when your hero is in danger you're like i mean whatever the hero's not gonna die but it's for they do it so well yeah. in this where you're like no what you're like it almost yeah. i mean there's because that's that's the cold open to my favorite episode of the whole series um in season five is she's like basically 
losing a fight in the yeah. cemetery and that like instigates the oh whole right yeah and fool for love yeah. yeah it's so good but yeah i definitely agree it is it is spooky and then i don't know i just there is though something so triumphant about her like just you know mounting up and getting all of her gear and like carrying it to the house and, like and like after giles has told her everything yeah Giles is like, this is what's happening. It's an organic compound. I, you basically, you'll be out for another couple of days. But now that I told you, the trial is off. So like, don't even worry about it. And that's when Buffy goes home and sees that her mother is gone. And so she's like, well, forget it. I'm, I'm doing it. And I like that so much because she like can't even lift her bag of like stuff. Yeah. It, like it's too heavy for her to lift. Yeah, it like literally pulls her forward on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> It's I don't know. There's something to me that I like. Yes, this is a very emotionally dark and like sad episode. But there is there are really triumphant moments that I like a lot. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I love as as shitty as this the surrounding scenario is for why she lost her powers. I love her. Restore, I love that she is resourceful because she, <laughs> it, it, it's part of why she's so great. Um, because well, that's the thing. These fucking councilmen. All they think about is like keeping up appearances and like doing the traditions and like all of this other dumb stuff. When at the end of the day, they need to be training more slayers like Buffy because that's the reason she's as good as she is, is because she's resourceful and because she doesn't just rely on the training and, you know, all of the stuff. And at no point do they ever embrace that. Yeah, they don't they don't sit there and go, wait, our slayers die in like the first year and we've gone through thousands of them but yeah. this one seems to be you know doing something different uh it's probably just a fluke let's try to kill her like what I, the fuck? I don't and i th- i sincerely think it's because she does not toe the council line and they just are like well mm. yeah. it's the reason why in season five when giles is like we need help and they're like well we're gonna put you through your paces first before we help you and it's like they did that already knowing what the threat is right at that point yeah which means if she hadn't like passed their test, which I admittedly she does not, but then she just owns them instead. Yeah. They would have just let her fail. Which is sort of like, why? What is your why purpose? Why are you doing this? <laughs> yes. Like, what is the point of you if you're willing to let the world get sucked into hell just so that you don't like so you don't feel icky about helping? I it's so I hate the council. They're it's, horrible. Yeah. I I appreciate the lore of the council i like that they exist and i like that that's something that we have but like at no point are they good also like you're, like at all your reasoning for something should never be well it's been done for dozens of centuries there's yeah. plenty of things dozens of centuries ago that shouldn't be done today like yeah <laughs> whoa buddy let's um, maybe cut that shit out yeah <laughs> um but yeah, this is this is just it's just it's kind of just a gross episode. It's a great episode. I really it's tough because it's like I like what it did. I have a hard time forgiving Giles. Um and I I commend Buffy, obviously, for being able to, but yeah. like at the end, I'm just like, I mean, he still he still did the thing. So I don't have a hard time. <laughs> forgiving him because because of what quentin says the slayer is not the only one who must perform in this situation 
I've recommended to the council and they've agreed that you be relieved of your duties as watcher immediately. You're fired. On what grounds? Your affection for your charge has rendered you incapable of clear and impartial judgment. You have a father's love for the child, and that is useless to the cause. It would be best if you had no further contact with the Slayer. I'm not going anywhere. No, well, I didn't expect you would adhere to that. However, if you interfere with a new Watcher, or countermand his authority in any way, you will be dealt with. Are we clear? Are we very clear? Congratulations again. Bite me. Yes. Well, colorful girl. Like, basically, that's all I need. Once you know that and like and and adding on top of that, the fact that he did, he failed the test on purpose. Right. To like to tell you know, her. Yeah. To get the betrayal out in the open and be like, look, I did it. I feel terrible. Like, this is what's happening. It's awful. I don't know what I don't know how to be more sorry kind of a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I it's also, you know, Giles is still at this point a very by the book guy. Yeah, you know, true. this is his job. He's like, I have to do this. It's my job. I feel bad about it, but it's my job. Right. It's and his so, whole life has been for this. Yeah, this is his whole the whole thing. His whole family is in the council. And so I can I forgive him pretty easily. And we like don't it does not really come up ever again, again. after this. Like they never talk about this so, test ever. That's that's another thing I wanted to talk about too. Um but I, I think my main issue is like if this was a thing that just happened to Slayers when they turn 18, like, oh, when you're this is worked into the spell of creating a Slayer. Like when you're sure. 18, you lose your yeah. powers for three days and mm-hmm. we take advantage of that. It's still manipulative of the council to take advantage of that. Yeah, um, but that's a whole that's a thing that I can that which I can get behind. Like I that, can get it, behind that. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of thing where I'm like, I could forgive Giles for that because it's him keeping a secret from her. And then her and him being torn. But the fact that he like hypnotizes her and injects yeah. a needle into her arm, I'm like, that is fucked up. Like yeah. I would even <laughs> I would even hate the council less. Yeah. If it were just baked into the Slayer spell. Yeah. Because then in that case, the current council is not doing that. You know, that's like an ancient spell it's been around for as long as there's been people right so i would be less mad at them about that and then also the the in that case the grossest part is that they're just taking advantage of this like break in the um you know in the powers or whatever but it's also it also then takes away the layer of they're doing this to buffy in order to basically get her out of the way true if it's something that happens to every slayer naturally then it it wouldn't just be about buffy and then in that case there wouldn't be the need for secrecy giles would have explained that to her and it would have for all slayers for eternity have been a test of um resourcefulness as opposed to just a test of i don't know I guess resourcefulness, but like it just does. It makes no sense to me. No. And like, how long have they been using Kralik? Oh, I think it's a different one every time. I think they use a different huh. vampire every time because I'm. I assume the Slayer kills. Otherwise, they're just well, killing. Not always. <laughs> I know. I'm. <laughs> or they're just running through Slayer, and it's also just such a cocky. Um, 
process too because it's just like oh well you know if he kills the slayer we'll get another one it's like right but you're treating like they still need to be trained and be like you you've seen that you can't just throw them out buffy had a really hard time when she first became a slayer and then over the years becomes basically like a demigod yeah um so it's just like you need that you can't just like wipe through them every couple months they need to get better yeah i i agree with that um but the council sees them as a tool that you can just like buy a new one and it's i mean technically yes but it's like that's not the right way to be doing this it's just the council's so backwards yeah I don't it's like bad. them. I, yeah. I hate them. I, I, I agree with you, though. I, th- I think it's it's great because it does set up our hatred for the council and for the things that happen in the end of five and the beginning yeah. of seven. Like it, it's all warranted based on solely on this episode. Um, I love Cordelia, by the way. <laughs> Me being, too. Multiple times. In multiple this times. <laughs> but I love her being sarcastic and immediately empathetic when she realizes how hurt Buffy is. Oh, God, is the world ending? I have to research a paper on Bosnia for tomorrow, but if the world's ending, I'm not going to bother. You can't walk home alone, Buffy. It isn't safe. I don't know you. Did something take her memory? He's Giles. Giles. He hangs out here a lot. Cordelia, could you please drive me home? Of course. But if the world doesn't end, I'm going to need a note. It is one of my favorite things ever. And it's so that, just, yeah, is I, one of my favorite Cordelia moments ever because she is very caustic and she also is not friends with them yeah. right now. She does. She does not want anything to do with any of the Scoobies. So the fact that she that that Buffy is very clearly distraught. Yeah. And Cordelia is just like 100 percent whatever yeah. you need. It's like a real girl code moment in yeah. a way that I that makes me so happy. And it, even though it's such a small moment, it is an indicator of her potential greatness on Angel. As we know, oh, it, yeah. it is great. She is great on Angel, but it is also just like this indicator of like she's she's down for helping people who are down, yeah. um, which is great. Absolutely. Um, we also have Buffy and her sad baggy overalls in this episode. <laughs> Look, these are utility overalls. Yeah. <laughs> these are serving. These are these she's overalls like, are serving a purpose she's beyond on a mission. emotional trauma. <laughs> these are correct. The correct use of overalls. I have no issue with these overalls. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I want to point out something interesting in this. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I always notice it in all of like the epic moments um that people post online of buffy and like all her speeches and all of her big fights she always has this same like three inch cut on her forehead yep like did is it i just want to know in their head or where they were just like put the forehead cut on her like was it just talked about behind because like literally every time there's a giant fight or there's a big speech she's got this giant three inch scar on her forehead that never scars well no she doesn't really scar yeah um so the thing about it is probably that they tested a bunch of like effects makeup on her and that was like the most attractive yeah that's so what makes like, the most sense it's like you know you get you could do some chin like yeah. a little chin stuff but like cheek stuff is always pretty gross and yeah. you can like break your cekbone pretty yeah. easily you can't do nose stuff to her because no. Sarah Michelle Geller's nose is the Very, whole thing yeah. <laughs> so it's like it has to be 
forehead and so it's like it's very attractively yeah. she's very attractively gashed on the forehead yeah. every time <laughs> just little little drips of blood coming out yeah. of it it's just perfect yeah. every uh, time no you're totally right but i if i had to guess that's what it is they, yeah. the makeup team was like well we have to rough you up but we'll do it so you still look hot essentially and, it, and it's a bad because she obviously will get bruises and cuts and fights mm-hmm. all the time but though the forehead cut is the indicator of a bad one it's like yeah. it's mm-hmm. it like you said she still is attractive but she's it's such a big cut you're like she's definitely hurt like yeah because every once in a while they'll do like bruising they'll like bruising and like puffiness around yeah. the like mouth because she gets punched in the mouth a lot um but it's also like the the season seven seven episode bring on the night. That's one where she she's like beat to hell in that yeah. episode, like yeah. all over. But I do think she has. The she's, yeah, she's got it in yeah. there. She's <laughs> got totally it there. Right. She's got it in the gift. She's got it yep. in her yep. speech. <laughs> she's got it in the final <laughs> battle of the series. Like she's not all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I great. get it. Um, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> no, I guarantee you that's the reason. <laughs> Um, so somebody on set, probably Joss Whedon, yeah. was like, "Okay, you have to beat her up, but make sure she still looks hot." <laughs> I'll bet oh you a hundred dollars. That's oh what it my was. God, what an asshole. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of the early, um, what we spoke about earlier, them never bringing up uh, Buffy talking to Buffy and Giles ever talking about yeah. this again. I'm curious if she she must not have ever told Joyce. Because it's confused because Joyce is confused why she can't rip the thing. So she had to have told her, I don't have my Something. powers. But if yeah. she would told if she would have told her the whole truth, Joyce would be livid and never talk to Giles again. I I think. If oh, someone did that to my kid, yeah. I would never well, talk to them again. I, you're a lot more present of a parent than Joyce is. <laughs> I feel like you guys are on different levels yeah. of parenting. Um, I don't know. Uh, it could go either way to me because Joyce, like, she pretty much, she understands now. And especially yeah. I feel like after the gingerbread episode, she's sort of like, oh, okay, there's like a thing. Like, there's a lot of process to this. There's more to it than I know. So I do sort of feel, and especially because I think Buffy has the capacity after she has forgiven Giles to explain it to Joyce in a way that doesn't make Giles look like the bad guy. Where she would be like, well, it's a council thing. It was a test. Yeah, that's like I think she could have easily left out Giles drugged me. That's yeah, that's essentially what happened in my head. I was just like she clearly went to the library right after the fight. And then once Giles basically acted like a father to her and healing her wound, she she was just like, I can just tell my mom, you know, the vagueness and her mom after nearly burning her daughter at the stake probably didn't press for too many answers. Yeah. (laughs) Plus, Giles ends up at the house at the end, right? Oh, at, yeah, in the house, yeah. in the in the uh, crazy guy's house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 he staked a vampire and saved so, her. And that was, like, in front of Joyce. Right. So at that point, Joyce has also seen Giles help Buffy. Right, so she knows he's, he's a protector type, yeah. In my opinion, Buffy just... Gave her the cliff's notes. Just <laughs> spun it. Yeah. So it sounded good. Yeah. Um, and you said it before, that you have a father's love for that child is... Yeah. Uh, just one of the best moments you you can't you don't you don't 
you can't really stay mad yeah. when somebody else is like you love her like a daughter. Yes. Well, it's, and, hard, it's and, hard to stay mad. And to the listeners who are watching this show for the first time and coming along for the ride with us, this is the moment that uh, we were talking about previously when we kept saying like there's a moment in season three where it's just like understood that he's basically a father figure moving forward and this is it obviously um absolutely also xander there was a couple great xander scenes like one xander and oz (laughs) arguing over kryptonite was yeah is hilarious maybe what we should be looking for is something like um slayer kryptonite faulty metaphor kryptonite kills you're assuming i meant the green kryptonite I was referring, of course, to the red kryptonite, which drains Superman of his powers. Wrong. The gold kryptonite's a power sucker. The red kryptonite mutates Superman into some sort of weird... Guys? Buffy's just like, guys, can we stay on, on task? Police. <laughs> but then also Xander not able to open a peanut butter jar. Yeah, peanut butter jars don't stick, I bro. Told, I, was so, I was like, that. what is happening? That's like, not you a... should have let, had him open the jelly. Although yeah. Buffy is diabolically putting jelly on every slice of bread. (laughs) Every single one. And I'm like, you're making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You put that peanut butter down first. You spread what's left of the peanut butter on On what's left on the knife on the other slice so that the jelly doesn't mush through your bread. Just, I... I was watching it and I was like, what are you doing? If Buffy would have taken her jelly knife and put it in the peanut butter, I'd be like, I'm not watching this show anymore. (laughs) Oh my God. Imagine. (laughs) The audacity. I can't. Oh man. But yeah, that's this episode. There was, uh, it's, it's, it's a rough one to get through. I, it's also, I, I can't remember. It's one of the best ones though. No, it's, it's one of my favorite episodes. Um, I can't remember. I talked about it on here or with, even with you, but I always have a hard time. It's funny because she's in horror movies a lot in the nineties and early two thousands. But I always had a hard time with Sarah Michelle Gellar dying in horror movies, like in Scream and uh, and I know what you did last summer, summer. like seeing her as Buffy. For some reason, it's just like I can't accept her getting killed. I'm like, no, 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 that's fast forward. (laughs) I don't want to see that. (laughs) So this episode is like more of that, which is tough. (laughs) We just watched all the Scream movies so that we could go see Scream 5 in the theater. And it was so weird watching her because i don't really like i know what you did last summer so i've only seen it like twice in my whole life yeah but it was so weird watching cc the sober sister get killed i was like hit him back what are you doing and it's so violent the way she gets killed in that movie he stabs her so many times in the back oh yeah it was that was i think that was the first time where i was like i can't I can't handle this. I'm not yeah. good with it. I can watch horror <laughs> movies, but for some reason, Buffy getting murdered in horror movies like, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, no horror movies with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Although, yeah. you know, I've never seen um, the American Grudge. Oh, yeah. That's the one she's in, right? The Grudge? That's the one, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen that one. I think I saw it, but I can't remember it. Um, but yeah, that's this uh, That's this episode. Yep. Um, it was fun. Uh, well, and then what's, what's the next episode? The Zeppo. The Zeppo. Ugh, that's another great one. Surprisingly. We're going to have a lot of nice things to say about Xander next week. (laughs) Yeah, that's like one of our favorite Xander episodes. Um, It's also, um, it's one of the episodes where they get a piece of dirty British slang in in the dialogue. Which is? I'm pretty sure it's that one where he says something about... He talks about how he's cool or something. It's like he's got this and that and he's getting no trim. (laughs) 
<laughs> it Good. makes me laugh my ass off every time because it's when it's like how they got Mewling Quim into the first Avengers movie because standards people don't know what that means. Oh yeah, <laughs> no they're one like, knows. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're all yeah. That, you have to be like really into British stuff to get that. <laughs> they're all that's gibberish. That's fine. Yeah, whatever. It, uh, whatever. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about the Zeppo in the next episode, yep. which is exciting. Um, thank you everyone for listening. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Trevor Carly, and I'm with my other podcast at So I'm Watching, or my personal account of FiddleDD85. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe and we will see you next time. Bye.